So today I'm going to talk about let your gentleness be evident to all. It's a passage that is found in Philippians 4, 4, and we're going to read that to go ahead and get started, and then we'll just jump right into the message. This is uh, Paul's final words to the church. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Throughout this entire passage, throughout this entire book, Paul is always saying rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And so what I'd love for us to do is to put ourselves in a place of gratitude this morning. And one way that you can do that is by going big. Begin in gratitude. That we can actually rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So if God's done anything good in your life at all in this week, in this month, if you're enjoying the beautiful weather of summer, rejoice in the Lord always. Go ahead and put your hands together. Let's give God praise. He's been so good to us. If he's came through for you financially, if he's been there in your family, if he's been there in a time of need, rejoice in the Lord always. This is Paul's heart. This is what he teaches us to do all the time. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And that's what I want to talk about today. This is actually a two-part, uh, two-part message next week. We're actually going to be talking about barrier frustrations. One of the things that keeps us away from being gentle is a, a frustration with the barriers and um, there's going to be a lot of uh, TikTok videos in next week's sermon. So come back, and it should be really good. But today I want to talk about let your gentleness be evident to all. To all. How gentle are you today? How gentle are you? I know when uh, my daughter Ariel was born at the hospital, they actually handed me her. They trusted me with this baby hand her over, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs. I didn't know what to do with the baby. Like, I've held other people's babies, but, like, when you hold your own baby, it's kind of different, isn't it? And you're like, I don't know how to be gentle. She's, like, kicking her head back and kicking me. And, like, I don't, like how do you hold the baby gently? And so it took me, like, six months because I don't think I'm a gentle person. I think when I started off my life, maybe in kindergarten, I was somewhat of a gentle person. And then, you know, sometimes your gentleness can uh, be used against you, can't it? And you start to learn, like, wait a second, I got to, like, not be gentle so that I don't get hurt. And so, um, you know, having this newborn baby, it took me, like, six months to finally realize how to hold the baby gently. And, you know... And so, yeah, you put a baby in your arms and hold them gently. For Ariel, we just like wrapped, uh, um, <laughs> I'm doing this. So <laughs> we gently wrapped a blanket around her, really nice and tight, so she couldn't go anywhere, and then she couldn't kick me anywhere. But it takes a while to learn how to be gentle. But Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And so how gentle are you this morning? When it comes to conflict, how gentle are you with that text message? When it comes to um, some, someone saying something about you that isn't true, how gentle are you to approach that person? Does it come across in gentleness? I've seen uh, social media is like this great place that we all shelf our gentleness to make our point really strong. Can I get an amen? Amen. Like, have you seen that before? That those are real people that we're approaching. 
They have real feelings and, and real emotions. It doesn't seem like it, does it? Because it's through a text. How gentle are we? And so Paul says that our, the church, the church body is supposed to be full of gentleness. Gentleness, meekness. Hearts of love and peace. So what I'd love for us to do is to look at this passage and break down. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. But then how do we do that? How do we live that out? What does the Bible have to say with the church being gentle? How do you live that out? And so I'm going to reread this, but I would love to just uh, pray as we uh, re-go through this passage and just dive into it a little deeper. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for your presence and your power here. Lord, I just choose to just get out of your way. And um, yeah, would you just speak directly through me today? Would my words be your words? Would you say everything that, that this, your word has for your church today, for each one of us? Lord, you know our heart's desire is to, to hear from you, to know that you're a God that listens and, and you're a God that knows our situation. You're a God that's, it's in, that's in the day-to-day and in the week-to-week and in the month-to-month that you know each one of us, you know exactly what we're walking in the door with. And so, Lord, we just choose to open up our heart and say, Lord, we're just giving you this time and this space. Jesus, would you speak directly to our hearts today? Would you get through any hard barriers, any walls that we've built up, any, any confusion, any chaos that's going on in our life, Lord? Would you speak directly to our hearts? We invite you, Lord. We invite you. Have your way, God. And would you do it gently, as you always do? Just soften our hearts and pull us close and speak directly into our ears and just that we could hear you, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's reread uh, verse four as Paul starts this. Before we jump there, though, real quick, is Paul's writing to the church, and the reason that he's writing this is two women in the church were in conflict with one another. Imagine that. 2,000 years ago, people in the church got in conflict with one another. Never would have thought. It's never happened since. Thank you, Jesus. He's writing to him because unity in the church is so important. He writes to him because unity in the church is so important that he's taking time to write to two people in the church. This entire letter is written to the church, and then he singles out two people and says, I need unity in the church. So unity is so important. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. This isn't a question. This isn't an idea. This is actually a command that Paul says to do. Notice it doesn't say, hey, if you got, you know, if you want to mind doing, no, this is like rejoice in the Lord always. Isn't that hard, the word always in that? Because we don't always feel like rejoicing, do we? But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness. 
The Greek word for what he's using here for gentleness is actually the meaning of it is to have a spirit that will rise above offenses. Isn't that crazy? A spirit living inside you of gentleness that will rise above offenses. This is why he's approaching this because he's got two people that are very offended with one another. And so he says, I'm going to give you a spirit that will rise above your offenses. Then he says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. And so, like, if you read Paul's uh, messages to the churches, one thing you're going to realize is that Paul really, truly had this desire to see Jesus face to face, that Jesus was going to return. And so everything he wrote was from this, this sense of, hey, like, we got to have unity in the church. Jesus could return any time, which is still true today, right? So we have Paul saying the Lord is near. Jesus is coming back because that's what he promised us, is that he's coming back. But the other part of the Lord is near is there's unity when you rise above offenses. That where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. What that means is there's unity. The Lord is near. The Lord is here. He's right here right now. That there's a united body. That God is present. God works in unity. He doesn't work in disunity. The biggest thing that hinders God moving in the quad cities, in our lives, in the churches, is division. And so Paul's saying the Lord is near. He's at hand because there could be unity in the church. Put, set aside your differences and unite. Become of one spirit. And then God's presence will be there. Is that your desire today? Revival happens when there's unity in the church. The, the people that we're praying for, we've been praying for them all year long for the last seven months. Three people that we pray for. Casey has that, that great video. Isn't it great? There's Casey. He's right there. Give it up for Casey in his video. So good. The video that, that says, you know, pray for these three people that they find the hope of Jesus Christ, right? That's what it says. They find the hope of Jesus Christ. That happens when there's unity in the church. Revival, the people that, that are completely just lost with no direction. Revival, people are drawn to unity. People are not drawn to disunity. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a megaphone, come here. Disunity is the opposite of that. Stay away. <laughs> you don't want no part of this. So Paul says, set aside your differences. Let your gentleness be evident to all, to everyone, people you agree with and people you don't agree with. And there will be unity in the church. The Lord is near. The power of God is present when we set aside our offenses. Paul knows his stuff, doesn't he? This word is so powerful today. The church needs to be gentle, right? So how do we live this out? How do we be gentle in all situations, in all people? Well, Paul teaches us in the next verses. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition, request, make our request known to God. Anxiety produces frustration. How gentle are we when we're frustrated? Right? <laughs> have you ever done the angry text? It's like, I'm going to have to get a new phone after this. <laughs> Don't hit send. <laughs> How gentle are we when we're frustrated? And so anxiety, Paul says, you want your gentleness to be evident to all? Then remove anxiety. Anxiety, the, the word anxiety actually means preparing yourself for the worst to happen. How frustrating is that to live your life in that? It's always thinking, of what, what could be the worst thing that could happen today? This is anxiety. So Paul says, remove anxiety, and then your gentleness will be evident to all. In our home, take a request to God when he doesn't pick up his socks. You know, when... He leaves dirty dishes in the sink. Take a request to the Lord. Remove that frustration. Oh, that's just my house. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amy? Amen. <laughs> At work with that coworker that's really frustrating. Take a request to the Lord. That anxiety that, that exists of what, what's the worst that could happen here at work. Take it to God. Make a request known to the Lord. He knows us. He hears us. He's not far away. He's right among us. The Lord is near. He's with us. He's with us in those moments. With that family member that's making horrible decisions and you're just watching them go down that line. Take a request to the Lord. Remove the frustration because it comes across when you finally get to talk to him, doesn't it? So the first way to live this out is to remove frustration and we can truly be gentle. And I just want to say for yourself, if you get so frustrated with yourself, the season you're in, the decisions that you made, where you're currently at financially or in health, Make your request known to God. Talk to him about it. He's big enough he can take it. Let him know what's going on and that you're frustrated. And remove those frustrations. One quote that I heard uh, last week was, we don't live in the past. And those frustrations that we start to go back in time and we're thinking about all the decisions that we made years ago and then we're living it out and now we're frustrated with ourselves. Great quote to take home today. We don't live in the past. You live today. What's tomorrow have? Make your request known to the Lord. First way of living gentle is and for all to see is to not approach things in frustration. 
The second way Paul says is this, in the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So where there was frustration, where there was anxiety, God's going to replace that. He's going to take it away when you give it to him, and he's going to give you peace. I can't tell you how many times I'm trying to power through things out of my own ability and out of my own strength. And then I finally break to a point where I'm like, God, I need you. And then all of a sudden I'm at peace with stuff. Like do that sooner than later, right? So release your frustrations to the Lord. God, this is what's going on. And what he replaces those anxieties with and that frustration is peace. He just gives us peace. And it's awesome because it's not just peace for the situation, but it's peace that will transcend all of our understanding. Because our minds are feeble when it comes to a, a big, gigantic God. And he gives you peace for things that you can't control and things you don't know the solution to. And we need that. So the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. So we release our frustrations to the Lord. We receive his peace. And then lastly, Paul says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, then think of such things. Refocus our mind on the good stuff. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and God and the God of peace will be with you. So we remove our frustrations, we receive our peace, and then we think of the good in people. This is how you can have gentleness to all. And the good in people, one thing I'd like to call that is kind of the sandwich effect. The sandwich effect is I'm going to tell you something really good about you and how much I value you before I'm going to just jump on you and tell you the thing that has upset me. And then I'm going to follow that up with, I really like you. You're really nice. <laughs> but sincere. <laughs> the sandwich effect, you get it? The bread and the bread are the good things. The meat might be a little spoiled. <laughs> We got to address that. That's something. But my point in this is Paul says, think of such things. Think of the good things. Think of the good things in people before you approach them in frustration. Think of the good stuff. And if you can't think of anything good about them, then don't approach them because you're probably going to come across frustrated. And frustration does not produce gentleness, <laughs> does it? It doesn't. It just makes the matters worse. So think of something really good. Talk about whatever's kind of getting under your skin. And then finish it with, I really like you, though. <laughs> that really made me mad. But hey, you're great. I love that. Think of such things. Sometimes you have to really dive for those, don't you? You have to really think. One thing that God has revealed to me is when I make those requests known to the Lord and I dive into that and I receive his peace, 
all of a sudden I start thinking about what Jesus thinks of that person. And that matters. My opinion normally doesn't matter much. How does Jesus think about them? What is his word for them? How does he see them? Jesus doesn't just see all the flaws. He doesn't see all that that I see. Jesus sees somebody he died on the cross for, he gave his entire life for. And that's how we can view people. And then as we view people like that, our hearts become gentle and molded and soft and and we rise above offenses. This was Paul's word of encouragement to the church. It's one of the last things he leaves them with. Rise above offenses. Let the church be united. Let it be of one spirit. And watch what the Lord can do. Let's take that home today. Let's apply that. This is a two-part series. I couldn't get through all these things. So I would really invite you to come back next week as we're going to be talking about a barrier of frustration. A barrier of frustration with others and a barrier of frustration with the Lord. How do we remove those barriers? But today, I would like to just end with this. I think this message is so relevant for right now. It's, it's a relevant message for today, for all of us in this room. There's a lot of things that maybe have happened in your life that you came on the door a little frustrated with. If you notice a lot of cynicism coming out of your mouth, that means that you're frustrated. I'm, I'm speaking from real life example. When I'm cynical, I'm frustrated. And so if you've noticed that, if there's been a lot of decisions or a lot of people in your life that you're just, you're just like frustrated right now, I believe what's going to happen is the Lord's going to replace those frustrations and any of that anxiety with his peace this morning in a powerful way that when we leave with anything that we're frustrated with, we're going to actually leave with peace, just like this suitcase full of peace to take with us. I believe we're, we're a frustrated culture right now. There's a lot of things that have happened that we don't have any control of. We've been told what to do a lot of times that we don't, we don't have any control of or a say in. We're a frustrated culture sometimes. And I say that because I was driving down the street and I pulled up in, in just a, a little bit over the line at a stoplight because I stopped instead of just going through it. I should have probably went through it. But... I stopped, and my nose was out a little bit, and this truck was coming across the way, and he, all he had to do was just like kind of go around me a little bit, a little bit of diversion for him. But he decided to just hold on his horn and just sit there until I moved, okay? Until I moved. And then as soon as I moved, I, I did this number. I was like, you know, like super sorry, and that was dumb. I should have moved, whatever. And I moved. And he, he flicked me off from like 20 feet over there all the way across. And he was still holding his finger up like way down the road. We're a frustrated culture. You know, when little, little things just make you snap like that. I almost chased him down. 
I, had a, I got a PT Cruiser, and it's fast. I was coming for him. But I wasn't going to let his bad day ruin my bad day. So I smiled. I looked at the car next to me, and I, I smiled like this, and he was just like, <laughs> nothing. I don't even get eye contact or anything. Okay, I guess that was a dumb move. I should have not pulled out. Just look at, as a whole, though, the replacement for our frustration is the peace of God. And God's peace comes when we give him space. And so I don't think this is a message that Paul's saying like, hey, you should work up this gentleness on your own. What I think Paul's saying and what I truly believe what the church needs is to create space for the Holy Spirit to fill us with his peace. Amen. Just come, Holy Spirit. And like, I can't do this on my own. I, I can't say the always gentle words because my words sometimes want to not be gentle. My texts sometimes come across not gentle. So I need you in this. We don't need to know more. We don't need more knowledge. We just need the Holy Spirit today. And so here's my invite. We're going to re-sing the song, Rest On Us. If I can have the worship team come up. What I'd love to just invite us into is Anything you walked in the door with that has just been bringing anxiety in life, that's frustrating. Could be uh, even, even a sense of, I don't know, as I was just praying about this, it just really sense one of the hardest things is, is um, being able to release people when you think that you could control them. And as soon as you do that, the less frustration you'll have in your life to just say, you know what, God, I'm just going to trust you in this matter with this person, this coworker. I can't control it, this loved one. To just be able to release that, release your anxieties this morning. And what I'm saying is God is going to give you a suitcase of peace. Seeing beach towels in there. <laughs> and beach balls and, and just joy and, and peace and love and everything that the Holy Spirit represents. And so would you stand with me this morning? Let's just start with just giving them exactly as Paul says. He invites us. He says, release all your frustrations. Release all your burdens. Release everything that you walked in with. Release anything that's going on in your life that you're frustrated with. And just give it to the Lord. Give all your anxieties to God. And then he's going to give us a brand new mindset. He's going to replace it with the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding. Meaning, you may not know how this is going to work out. You may not know how this is going to happen. But it doesn't matter because he does. And that's what matters. And so let's just give him anything. I just invite you, just put out your hands and just say, you know, it's an, it's an offering, God. It's an offering of what I've been holding on to. It's something I'm frustrated with. So I just completely release it to you right now in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
Let's release it. Let's release it. Now peace come. Peace come. Just receive his peace. 